For me, the first time I found out that I was going to have a kid was the greatest moment of my life. Uh, we had our, our son, CJ. And then uh, pretty quick after that, uh, we had the twins. And then the last one was kind of a surprise. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddie. This week's Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Four Fathers. If you're tired of your look or you regret putting that I used to be cool bumper sticker on your car, you need to check out Four Fathers. No, I'm not talking about the founding fathers of America. I'm talking about the fantastic clothing brand Four Fathers. Yet, I do think George Washington the boys would rock a lot of the clothes from Four Fathers. From the boardroom to the back nine, barbecues to bath time, changing diapers to changing oil, Forefathers offers beautifully designed, thoughtfully tailored, ultra comfortable, and original polos for dads of all shapes and sizes. Inspired by what it means to be a true father, they celebrate the joys of this fatherhood adventure with fun and friendly dad apparel meant to be worn as a dad badge of honor. I love the attention to detail that Nick and his crew over at Forefathers have for their clothes. Their names alone are legit. There is the Meat Sweats, Glazed Over, Beer Me, and Turf Dad. And as a sneakerhead, there are so many sneakers that would match perfectly with all the Forefathers clothing line. So if you're looking for a unique gift for your dad or dad, you want to purchase it yourself, check out all the great shirts, hats, and shirts for kids over at their site at shopforefathers.com. That's shop, F-O-R-E, fathers.com. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have Tim Gunner. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this is a great podcast. I think fatherhood is so important in our country right now. Uh, it is a, uh, a big job, and we need to do a better job of it. So it's great to be on with you. Thank you very much. And before I actually, you just kind of sparked you know, my interest right there. I, I totally get it. Like right now, especially in today's society, where there's, I mean, when I was, I'm, I'm in my forties, right. And, and growing up in the eighties and nineties, it was like the idea. And I know it's stereotypical, but I love that time. And everybody's going to love that their time. They're going to love their music. They're going to love the time that sports was like in the heyday and all that other stuff. It was the golden era when it was your era. I get that. But it was almost like you go to, you know, you, you go to school, you do some, you know, your homework, whatever you play with your friends, you come home and the lights are on and have dinner and you do it all over again. Right. In the summertime, you get your chores done. You play with your friends. You don't even have lunch. You just like maybe go to a 7-Eleven, get like a, you know, a slurp and you're good until dinner. I just feel like now more and more I'm looking outside and I try, you know, I have two daughters. We're like, go outside and play, do something, go for a walk with your friends, just do something. Talk a little bit about, you know, we made that statement now more than ever, you know, parenting, especially fatherhood is definitely needed. Just share your thoughts on that because I'd be very interested to hear it. Yeah. So I raised four kids. Uh, we have kids from 26. We have twins that are 24 and a 23 year old. So we had them all right. <laughs> at the same time. And uh, that was always very important to me. Fatherhood was important. Uh, I had a, a great father. He wasn't home all the time. Uh, he, he was a Chicago policeman and he worked midnights. Uh, so when when he got home, uh, most of the time he went right to bed and we were at school and I would see him. Uh, you know, he would coach my teams. He coached my baseball team. He coached the basketball team. Never really coached a football team, which was, I don't know why, but he just didn't. But uh <laughs> And then he would go, we'd have dinner together, and then he'd go to bed, and the day would start over again. Um, but uh, fatherhood to me was so important, uh, to share your life with uh, somebody and give somebody some direction. And that advice I give people all the time, listen, I don't want my kids to be my friends. I want my kids to respect me and to love me. I want to be their father, and I want them to be my, my, my children. 
But the, the, the reality of the situation that I think too many times nowadays, either you're not in your kid's life or you're trying to be friends with your kid. It just doesn't work either way. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on on that where it's just like you're kind of absent and then or on the other flip side, you're trying to be like, you know, that person's friend and you're like, hey, let's do this. Let's do this together. And it's like, eh. I mean, yes, one of the biggest compliments people say in their fatherhood journey to me is like, if we have a relationship or they want to hang out with me in their adult years or when they have kids and they want to be around me, then he's like, I know that I, I succeeded as a father. And I feel like you you kind of have that same notion where it's like, yes, I want to care for you, want to have a relationship with you, but you got to understand, like, I'm here to be the best dad I can possibly, not your best friend. I, you know, you mentioned your kids' ages. So take me back a little bit. When you found out you were going to be a dad for the first time, what was going through your mind? Yeah, you know, my wife and I, we tried for, for a while to have kids and we couldn't. So we went through some different processes and finally found the right formula. And uh, so, you know, I, that was one of the things that was really important to us right from the beginning of our marriage is, is to have kids. And, you know, we, we love being around kids, love being around nieces and nephews. And in my life, I've, you know, always had little cousins and stuff. So, it was really important to us to have kids. And, you know, so for us, it was a little bit of a struggle, but it was great. To, you know, we waited, we matured a little bit. And, it, you know, I think God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes he gives you kids when you're ready to have them. For me, the first time I found out that I was going to have a kid was the greatest moment of my life. Uh, we had our, our son, CJ. And uh, uh, then uh, pretty quick after that, uh, we had the twins. And then the last one was kind of a surprise. Uh, something got, got knocked loose or something, but... Uh, you know, the next thing we know, we had the four kids under three years old. So uh, it was quite the experience. People always talk about the diaper genies, right? The ones that you put the diaper in, you spin it. We look like we had anacondas living in our house. We'd be pulling those diaper strings out all the time. They were about <laughs> 10 feet long because we had four kids in diapers at one time. So, uh, but uh, fatherhood to me, you know, I've done a lot of great things. I've, I've, I've played in the NFL. I've won national championships. I've married uh, my uh, my sweetheart, I met my freshman year of college. We, we started dating. We were 18 years old. Uh, all those things are just unbelievable. But the first time you hold your child in your hands, and I have a really quick story on that. Uh, we were playing against the San Diego Chargers. So CJ was born on a Saturday during the football season, and I had a game on Sunday. Uh, so, you know, I obviously went to the game, played in the game. But after the game, we lost the game. It was at home. And uh, I was getting dressed really quick and a big smile on my face. And Marcus Allen, of all people, came up to me and said, hey, man, what, where you, what's there, such a hurry for you? You look like you're in a really good mood because my eyes usually cranky and nasty and mean after losses. And I said, I'm going to see my son. And he said, man, that is so awesome. He said, God bless you. Go, go have fun. And I remember holding him in the, in the hospital after that and just realizing what the important things are in life, obviously. Your kids are the most important thing and the biggest responsibility. And uh, when you said, hey, you know what? I want my kids to like me. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there's a difference between, you know, liking somebody and trying to befriend somebody. Uh, you know, they respect you more. Believe me, kids love discipline. They crave discipline. They, they want to know that you're there for them and you're not there just giving them FaceTime. So when you can have an in-depth conversation with your child about certain things and they trust you, because they know that you're going to shoot them straight. A lot of times with friends, you know, you're going to tell them what they want to hear. Well, I promise you, my kids didn't hear what they wanted to hear from me all the time. So they now in their 20s, as they're going through job, uh, you know, challenges and, you know, finding the right person, uh, you know, they feel comfortable enough to come and talk to me. And, and that's what it's all about. No doubt. I love that. Okay. 
you know, especially being a lineman in the NFL, it's like you're a glutton for punishment. No, I think having four kids at the age of three and under, like you said, man, how how tired with you? Like, you know, I know obviously your wife is going to be there taking the brunt, especially during the NFL season. But like, you know, you heard my, I love that Marcus Allen story too, because again, you just, you know, see him as a prolific running back, but it's like, and you know, he's got heart, but it's just like, I love hearing that. I'm a big fan of the NFL, my family and I. Uh, we grew up like I grew up in I'm from Buffalo, so to speak. I actually was born in South Bend, which I think you appreciate being going to Notre Dame. But um, I, I love the fact that, you know, you see, you know, football. I when I talk to football players like in the locker room, you talk about father, you talk about like different fun stories or whatever. Right. Um, but I love the fact that you're like, yeah, like. You know, you have th- uh, four kids under the age of three, so God bless you on that. I'm <laughs> guessing, you know, just listening to you and, and, you know, especially from your book as well, like hard work is something you were teaching your kids, right? What were some of the other values you were teaching them? Yeah, so obviously hard work and, you know, listen, they're going to stand on their own. And, you know, to be really honest with you, it was uh, it was a challenge to have a NFL father, uh, a, a, a a father that played in the NFL because they're always held to higher standards. You know, why aren't they the best football player? Why aren't they the best basketball player? Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, people would always, you know, say, oh, hey, is your dad Tim Grunhardt? And, you know, they, so a lot of them, they a little bit lost a little bit of their own identity. So one of the things we tried to do here is separate that big time. And I'll never forget, you know, teachers would say all the time, you know, your kids never mentioned that you are an NFL player. Your kids never mentioned, you know, they're like, we don't really talk about it. And so, uh, that was one of the things that uh, we really tried to instill in our kids. Listen, uh, you know, and I coached both of my sons in high school football too. And it's the same kind of thing on the field. Uh, you know, I would coach them hard and, and make sure they're doing the right things. But we went home, it was a different relationship. And it's the same thing with the NFL and my celebrity status. The, the uh, Tim Grunhard uh, dad was lived here in, in the home and the Grunny, uh, the Kansas City chief football player yeah. was the personality. And they're two completely different people. And they realized that young, young, and it helped them out. But a lot of their friends and teachers and people, they couldn't understand that. But we tried to instill hard work with love. Uh, you know, we, we we never spoiled our kids. Uh, you know, they had everything they wanted, but we didn't spoil our kids. Uh, but more important than that, we always took them places where we went. If we went, you know, I went and coached in NFL Europe and Cologne, Germany. They came with us. Uh, you know, we'd go on vacation places. It wasn't just my wife and I and maybe another couple. We brought our kids with us. So they've been all over the world. They've seen everything. And that, to me, was important because they got to see different cultures and different yeah. things and learn so many things by experiences that were important to them as they go through their lives now. Uh, so, yeah, you know, hard work, give them great experiences and be there for them when they need you. And, uh, you know, no one to bring them in and give them a hug or give them a swift kick in the ass. You know, that's, those are two important things. <laughs> awesome and you answered also one of my questions about advice you'd give to new dads and i and you've been giving a lot of advice so i'm actually going to change up the question with this one so especially like going to germany checking out different countries and them going on trips with you i remember i had that epiphany when i was out of college and i call and i was living in my own apartment um and i remember just calling them i think it was like i got a dental bill i had to like a windshield i, I had to get it replaced and i just call them up and i'm like how you guys doing? Like, I'm like, I just want to say thank you. And I was only two, two towns away and I'd still like have them over for dinner here and there, but I just called them. Like, I just want to say thanks. I'm like, for what? I'm like for everything, certain things I'm taking for granted, like, you know, medical insurance, it comes out of my paycheck now, all of these things. Right. <laughs> so just with the experience of like 
you making sure that they come along and experience everything you and your wife are experiencing. Did you ever have one of those moments? Maybe not just like them calling them and saying, thank you. But I love as a parent and my daughters are uh, 14 and uh, 12 right now. And I love the fact that. God bless you, buddy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We'll talk about that there if you want to, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're teenage girls. They turn into these, uh, I don't know what they turn into, but uh, you know, I used to tell them they're little because people would always tell me stories. I said, you're always going to be nice to dad. And you're always going to love dad. And, and they're like, oh, sure, dad. And then when they turn teenagers, it's like, oh, my gosh. But the, the funny thing is you want to talk about this epiphany and about coming back is now they appreciate the way they were raised. They appreciate their father. They appreciate their mother. They ask us questions. They're, they're so thankful for And they, they they get out of that phase. That's just a, a phase of life. And, and uh, hold on you're tight because no matter how great of a dad are how bad of a dad are it's that's just the way it's going to be but they come around man they do come around and and when they do it's a, it's a great experience and yeah so i you know my son's going through a a, a job um yeah uh, uh ordeal right now he wants to doesn't want to live in the place that he uh is working at and so we've been working through some different things and different options and and uh you know he calls me for advice all the time and 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 to me you know i I try not to use football analogies so much, you know, but I'm always like, you know, if there's forked out situations in life, son, you just got to convert, you know, those kind of things. But, uh, you know, um, it's, uh, you know, you always go back to what you know. And that's another piece of advice I give people is, you know, don't just make things up. Don't uh, don't try to recreate the wheel as you know you've experienced things and you've you've been around different situations and use your experience and use the tact that you've had your whole life and share that with the kids because they know i don't care if you're coaching kids i don't i don't care if you're raising kids i don't care if you're talking to kids they know when you're bullcrapping them and they're not they're going to shut you off right when they find out that you're a big bullcrapper so you just don't do it so just rely on what you know no doubt. I love that. Spitting parenting truth bombs, Tim. I love it. Uh, one more question before we kind of get into your great book and, fo- uh, you know, football and all that good stuff. Notre Dame as well, because I want to chat with you about that. But, you know, you, you're sharing me, you're sharing with me a lot of things that you're teaching your kids, right? But let's flip the script. What is something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there until you became a dad? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, too. And you know, for me, just, you know, making that life change uh, from being that football player that hangs around in the locker room and goes out and, you know, wants to be with the boys and do all those, you know, fun things that you did maybe before you had kids and, you know, have a respect for them, you know, because you have to look them in the eye when you go come home and they know and you know that if you're living up to the standards and all the different things that you've told them. So for me, you know, uh, being accountable to my kids has been something that's very, very important to me. Uh, because, you know, if they don't respect you because of some of the things you're doing or some of your actions that you're doing, then you lose them. And, uh, you know, uh, there's times in my life, you know, just life is like anything else. It's a roller coaster. There's ups and downs. There's good times and bad times. Uh, but, you know, you, 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 you just got to be uh, there for your kids and have them understand that, hey, you know, dads aren't perfect. Moms aren't perfect. Parents aren't perfect. Uh, that's one of the things I think kids realize when they get older. And I think that that helps to grow the relationship even a little bit more. So I learned accountability from my kids. I learned responsibility from my kids. And I learned that, uh, you know, I have to be accountable for my actions to my kids. And uh, to me, that is the number one thing that you can have with that relationship. 
Spot on answer, man. Yeah, because you you know you, you tell your kids, I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm just trying to give. I'm just asking you to try and give it your all, right? And 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 that's the thing too, because I'll admit to them, I'm like, hey, I messed up right here. I'm sorry, but I've lost my temper. You know what? I shouldn't have really asked you the question that way. It should have been more considered or whatever. Like seeing where you're at. So I love that, man. Um, talk a little bit about you know your book, View from the Center, my life, uh, my football life, and uh, the rebirth of the Chiefs' kingdom. You know, you talk about in your book from you know time Notre Dame. Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm guessing, especially I, I, when I bring, I'm, like I said, football is my favorite sport, and I love hearing everyone's individual story. I'm a comic geek and love hearing their origin story, how they got into the league. When was the epiphany for you to be like, hey, I need to, you know, and you worked with uh, David Small for this as well. Like, talk a little bit about what was the inspiration to write this book, man? Yeah, so, uh, you know, really kind of during COVID, uh, I was kind of sitting around, my wife and I, and, you know, I've done a radio show here in Kansas City for 20-some years, and have a lot of fun stories, a lot of anecdotes, and a lot of different uh, things that have happened to me. I like to share, and I've shared those. And you know, she said, "Hey, why don't you write them down?" I think, "Oh man, that's going to be too big of a process." Uh, but uh, you know, I ran into David at an event. He's like, "Hey, do you ever think about writing a book?" And I said, "Absolutely, have." So, you know, we started putting together an outline, and and we started putting together some stories. And the next thing you know, the book was done. And it was a labor of love. Uh, you know. Uh, what I really wanted to get across to everybody is, you know, a little bit about my background, a little bit of what makes Tim Grunhart, Tim Grunhart. But more importantly than that, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the foundation for the Kansas City Chiefs, where they're at right now with these Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes and and uh, Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey holding up these Lombardi trophies. That foundation was built in the 90s and it was a process and it was something that we really put a lot of effort into build a relationship with fans, build a relationship with the, with the ownership, build a relationship with the coaches, build a relationship, um, you know, with the city, you know, going out and doing radio shows and being a part of the, uh, of, of, of the community, going to hospitals, going to high schools and going and talking and being available. You know, maybe you can't do some of those things as much as you could now because of cell phones and cameras and, and video recorders and everything else that they have out there. So it was a different relationship. You could trust, the fan a little bit more, maybe open up a little bit more. And that's what we talk about in the book. And and uh, really the Kansas City Chiefs uh, fan base uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs have a very special relationship. Now that was sprouted and it started to grow in the 90s. And it certainly has grown into this mighty oak here in the 2000s. No doubt. Like Arrowhead is definitely one of those bucket list places to go to, right? Like you want to go and, you know, especially in the 90s, like the AFC, like any time – no matter, I'm a Niners fan, but like anytime, because actually because of Joe Montana, um, and and it's just kind of funny because I was the only one outside of Buffalo and my my immediate family. I was the youngest of three that was born outside of Buffalo. My dad at the time, like, was George, Joe Montana was playing for uh, the Notre Dame, right? And he's like, I really like this Joe Montana because we were like three blocks away from the you know the stadium, and my dad would be mowing, and he, he like on a Saturday and hear the crowd and all those stuff, and he's like he bonded towards Notre Dame and then he and I bonded to become Niners fans. Right. And it was an honor to have him on the show too, just like it is to have you on here. And Arrowhead is such a, such a fun and fantastic place to play. Obviously the AFC West, you have so many great rivalries and all that, but I love the fact that you say you put that foundation and it was, you know, a slow, you know, you, you put that there. And I feel now, especially in the quarterback position where it's like, if they don't prove themselves in five games, they're a bust, especially for any position too. It doesn't have to be quarterback. I think quarterback, as you know, gets the spotlight all the time. But for you guys, like, and with your expertise and all that, do you feel like we are putting way too much 
Like we, we want immediate gratification on these players. Do you feel like we're just quickly like turning players out when like, there could be some great players. It's just depending on the right coach, depending on the right, you know, environment and all that. Do you feel like we're just trying to like make us someone a superstar? And if they're not over like a half of the season, like turn around and you're done. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's a culture we live in. And, you know, you go to McDonald's and you wait for extra two or three minutes in the line, you're ready to pound the window out. You know, you know, it's just crazy. So, uh, you know, we're gratification right now, society, and that uh, now reflects into our sports. Yeah, you know, it takes some time to develop uh, a player. So, you know, you have the freaks like Patrick Mahomes can come in and play great right away. And, you know, even maybe Joe Burrow. But, you know, uh, I, th- I think that one of the things that we talk about in the book, too, a little bit is that that um, maturation process that happens within a team and within a player and within a, a group, whether it's the offensive line or the defensive line or the wide receivers. And that, that needs to be, you know, kind of put together. It just doesn't happen automatically. You know, we always talk about the offensive line being like a hand and until it's the fist, it, 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 it can't, it can't, uh, it can't work together. That fist doesn't happen right away, you know, through communication, through trust, through hard work, through dedication, and through, you know, looking at the guy next to you and saying, listen, maybe I can't do this for myself, but I can do it for him. And, uh, you know, you talked about Arrowhead Stadium. And by the way, Joe Montana is one of my best buddies. I love him. And he's a great dad, too. So I'm, you had him on the show. That, that, that is awesome. He's a great man. I learned a lot from him. Uh, but you talk about Arrowhead and how loud it is. One of the things we talk about in the book is that everybody says that Arrowhead's like a college-like atmosphere, right? And it's because it's loud. Well, there's a lot of lot of stadiums that are loud. And they said, well, it's because everybody wears red. Well, there's a lot of stadiums that everybody wears red or or the color of the team. But what, what we tried to do, and this is what was a, a point of emphasis from Carl Peterson and, and, and Marty Schottenheimer in the 90s to talk about in the book, is that, you know, build a relationship with these fans because just like a college, when when you're walking down the campus on the quad and you see the quarterback, uh, you know, going into the cafeteria and you're following him in and he's grabbing a ha- hamburger and you are too, maybe you sit at the same table, you build a relationship, you build a rapport, you you feel like you know the guy. You know, same thing when you walk into the, the you know, the, the psych class and there's a defensive lineman sitting right next to you and you might ask him for a pencil, he may ask you for a pencil. You build relationships, those kind of things. So that's why... Uh, one of the things we tried to do is build a college-like atmosphere at Arrowhead. So we, we went out to the high schools. We did radio shows. They said, hey, you know, I was with Tim Grunt on a Thursday night. And we had a great time. We talked a little bit. It's like sitting at the kitchen table. We're talking about football, talking about life, talking about family. You know, we got to know them. So then they cheered for you. They cheered for you because they had a personal relationship. And that's what we tried to do in the 90s with the Chiefs. That's why when their times are bad here at Arrowhead, and there were times in the early 2000s it wasn't good, but the place was always packed. Why? Because they had a personal re- uh, relationship with each one of the players. They had a personal relationship with the organization. And that's what get, gets you through the hard times. It's not how great you play or how loud you are or what color your jersey is. If you don't give a rat's ass about the player that's on the field, yeah. then guess what? You're not going to go watch him. And that's what we tried to do. I Oh, man, I love that. The common theme, what you said right there, is just like the idea of like knowing someone and seeing where they're from and learning more about Tim Grunhard, right? And like, I see him on Sundays, but now like we like, I know what his favorite, you know, meal is or whatever the case may be, you might be talking. I, I remember recently, Leroy Butler, I had him on and had him on a couple of times. He's a great dad as well. But one of the things I asked him, and you, know, you kind of mentioned this is too, it's like, one of the things I love about any sport it's the locker room and you see people from all different walks of life come together 
they might be different. And there's, and the common theme I hear from guys, especially in the NFL locker room is like, there's no cancel culture. If someone's gets something wrong, or if someone takes something off, they take the time. They're not going to blast them on social media. I'm like, Hey, you know what? You might've grown up like that, you know, saying that's cool, but this is why it's not. And I'll tell you, I appreciate it. If, if you understand where I'm coming from and you learn from that. And the fact that you guys in, in Kansas city were laying that foundation, not just in the locker room, but you know, in your, in, in your home territory, so, so to speak, or just in your location and uh, in Kansas city, like that to me is amazing. And that is why, like you see, like you said, like you have those strong fan bases because people see that, Tim does care about the community, not just, it's not a one-way street, a great, you know, relationship that you can teach your kids is it's, 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 you know, it's both ways. If, if, you know, you guys want to be fans of the chiefs, well, we're going to be fans of you guys. So I, I, I just, I, I love what your mentality is. And, you know, I know people are going to definitely dig this book. Uh, and if they haven't checked it out already, you know, you mentioned Joe Montana, you mentioned, you know, being on the quad in college, Notre Dame, man, is almost like, it's, it's like, Alabama, Notre Dame, there's certain colleges that it's like, we're preparing you for the NFL. It's almost like, I know college football is minor league, but there are certain teams that kind of, and organizations that stand out. For you, what was maybe the biggest transition uh, from Notre Dame to the NFL? I mean, I know, you know, the speed and all that other good stuff. And it's obviously you had a great pool of players in college, but then it gets shortened and that's the best of the best. But for you, what was like the toughest transition? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, maybe not as much on the field. Now, obviously, like you said, it's about a step and a half faster and, you know, it's your job and all those kind of things. The one thing that I had to realize is that, uh, you know, it was a good lesson to learn when you're 21, 22 years old and you're going in the NFL. They're, you're playing with guys like Steve DeBerg, who are 33, 34 years old. I mean, they're in a whole different part of their life than you are. And, uh, you know, when you always expected your guys, hey, let's go out and, you know, grab a beer, go grab a hamburger and be like, no, nah, man, we got to go home. We got our kids. And you're like, what? You know, so that 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 was one of the things that you, you know, you always were used to, you know, after practice, you go walk with the guys over to the training table and sit around and bull crap a little bit. And then maybe go to the library, do your homework and then go play some video games or whatever. Uh, but in the NFL, when practice is over, most of the guys scatter because they got families and they got things they got to do. So. That to me was uh, one of the early lessons. And then, you know, I played long enough where all of a sudden I was that guy that you know, I was a 31, 32 year old with a couple of three kids. And, uh, you know, they could be like, hey, you're going to go out. I'm like, no, nah, man, I, I can't go out. My, you know, my wife's been with these kids all day long. I got to go home and help her out. You know, she's going to yeah. kill me if I go out. You know, I've been gone since six o'clock this morning at six o'clock at night. I got to go give her, you know, go tap go tap so she can get out of the ring and I can get in there. <laughs> and uh, so that was one of the big lessons that you learned. Yeah. The game is faster and, you know, and the guys are bigger and everybody's good, but those uh, little relationships that you're kind of used to and you, and you, you, you fall back on when things, when times are tough, yeah. you know, you, you, know, hey, you know, in college you go hang out with the guys and kind of get through it. In the NFL, a lot of times you just go home to an empty apartment or empty house if you're a young guy and, you know, you're just there by yourself. So you got to work through those kind of things. Awesome. Thank you again for the insight. One more question before we finish off the father quick five. I think one of the things that parents try and teach their kids is like you might have tunnel vision or you might just see something a different way. And sometimes it's good to get like a bird's eye view. Right. So you were working on this book with David and you said like after a while, stories kept on coming and like it went from like maybe a daunting task, but with, you know, with David, who obviously is a great writer and you're a great storyteller, you guys worked it out. 
Was there a story that, or something, uh, a perspective that David had that maybe made you see part of your life in a different view or a different light, so to speak? Because again, he's like, no, man, you should definitely put this in the book because X, Y, Z, or like this makes you show like, you know, kind of reinforces a statement or an idea you had early in the book, just because like you guys were working together and it seems obviously going to build a great relationship doing that together. But was there a story or part of the book where he's like, no, we got to keep this in here? Yeah, you know, and it really had a lot to do with my relationship with with my dad. Um, you know, my dad was a tough guy. Uh, you know, he, you know, wasn't uh, the cuddly guy. He, he wasn't, you know, he was a hard-nosed Chicago cop. And, uh, you know, he pushed us and he challenged us, my brother and I. And, you know, my brother and I don't have the best relationship even to this day because my, my dad, was there was competitiveness between the two of us. Now, we, it worked out because, you know, he was a major league baseball player and I was an NFL football player. We both got scholarships. And he went to Northwestern. I went to Notre Dame and played, played baseball. I played football. But it, it was it was a daunting, daunting task for for us to to go through the, the kind of challenges. He loved us, but he didn't show it as much. And that's one of the things when I became a dad, I was like, OK, I'm, first of all, I'll never could. Uh, have my kids compete against each other in anything, and especially at that close to age, that's something that can happen. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, I'm going to show love. I'm going to tell my kids I love them all the time. And I really didn't want to tell that in the book because I don't want to make my dad seem like a bad guy. I didn't want my dad to be the, anta- uh, the, the, the uh, yeah, the, what would it be? Antagonist. Protagonist. Yeah. Protagonist or in the, in the book. I wanted him, uh, you know, I wanted people to know what a great dad he was, but it was a different kind of relationship. But he said, no, no, you got to put that in a book because it's what made you who you are and made you made me the football player it made me the husband and made me the father that i am you know learning from my dad both good and bad about what to do and what not to do and you know what once again going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier your, your parents are never perfect they're not they never will be there's only one perfect person that nailed into the cross man so for me uh you know uh telling that part of the story in relationship with my brother you know which hasn't been great uh, because of certain circumstances of competitiveness that, you know, that was hard to say. It really was really difficult to get that out. And he said, no, we got to do it. I'm glad we did. Awesome. Again, you, you mentioned like, yeah, the, the theme about parents aren't perfect, but again, a theme you mentioned earlier too, where kids can sniff out if you're not authentic. Right. And David was like, Hey, we want to show the best version of you. And to get there, you got to see everyone, everyone's going to have, cracks in the armor and there are going to be times where we fall down. We're not going to be the best, you know, we don't look the best to the projection that we want to give everybody. Right. But I think you are so more relatable because David put that in there. Cause it's like, I've, I've, I've been, I've, I've experienced like people who read this book, they're like, I experienced what Tim experienced. Yeah. There was a competitiveness in my family too. It got me to where I am, but obviously there were some negatives, but there was also some positive positive. So again, thank you very yeah. much for sharing that. Cause I think sometimes authenticity now like we were talking earlier in the beginning might go out the window where it's just like i'm just gonna give what the people what they want when they're not actually being truthful so 100 percent, man love that um thank you again very much for being generous with your time let's finish off with the father quick five your sure. favorite family and I, I know they're since they're close in age so it might be a good one because most of the time sometimes i'll talk to dads and there's like someone who's 19 someone who's 12 and someone who's eight so with the, everybody kind of being around the same age do you guys have a favorite family movie you like to watch together yeah you're gonna like this one uh it's probably rudy uh <laughs> we really like to watch you know i had three kids go through notre dame i went through notre dame my wife went through notre dame uh our youngest daughter who's the rebel she went to st louis university she says i don't want anything to do with those irish so Probably uh, Rudy. Uh, what a great movie, inspirational movie, and 
And, uh, uh, you know, great lessons learned about just, you know, perseverance and toughness and, and, and having a goal and sticking to it. No doubt. Awesome pick right there. Uh, favorite family song or genre of music you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to? Yeah, you know, I think probably uh, country music. I, you know, I'm a big Johnny Cash fan. It's funny because I thought my kids would think it was like hokey or, or kind of corny. Uh, <laughs> but my daughter, I was listening, last summer we were out at the beach and she had her playlist and it was a bunch of Johnny Cash stuff on it. So I, I did it. Yeah, I love Johnny Cash music. Johnny Cash <laughs> is great. I learned that from my dad. You know, we used to take road trips going up in Chicago. I, my, I had relatives in Las Cruces, New Mexico. We drive there every summer. And all we had was AM radio. So all I did was listen to the classic country songs all the way down. And Johnny Cash was my favorite. And now my kids listen to it. So there you love go. it. Again, like, I think there's something that kids love about tradition or certain songs that will spark memories, right? Because obviously music is such a great nostalgic, you know, power. It's, a very, it's very powerful and nostalgic where it, it, it brings out those great memories you have with your family. So nice. Uh, you mentioned earlier, man, you took your kids everywhere. So describe the perfect family vacation, where would it be? Or did you already have one? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? Now we have a little place down in Florida. And uh, when the kids all come down at the same time, that's probably our favorite little thing that we do. But yeah, so, you know, we we went to Germany. We, we've taken them on uh, cruises through, you know, uh, the, the uh, down in South America. Uh, we've been just about every state. Uh, I think probably one of our favorite trips, if it wouldn't be the Florida, just going down to the house down there is, you know, going, uh, we used to have a little place down the Lake of the Ozarks and my kids learn to fish. And when they're little, they'd be sitting on the dock and fishing and just looking and watching kids catch a little crappie or a little bass and be so excited about it. Uh, to me, that, that was the coolest. So little family lake vacation probably be the best. Nice. And next question is football related during the time in the NFL. Was there a player that you would go up against that, you know, maybe it was someone from the NFC West or maybe it was just someone else, but you looked on the, on the, on the, uh, on the schedule and you're like, this is going to be one hell of a battle, but we're going to have fun after between the whistles. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Howie Long was certainly there, but there's one that, uh, gosh, we played against each other uh, three times in college. And then he was with the Seattle Seahawks. We played twice a year for 11 years against each other. And I love the guy like a brother, but man, he was tough. That's Cortez Kennedy. Cortez Kennedy and I had battles, man. I mean, you name it. And, and I love him like a brother. He passed away a couple of years ago. And actually, I was watching something on ESPN today that he, I didn't realize he was the MVP of the NFL on the defensive side of the ball in 1992. And the Seahawks won two games. So that just tells you how good he was, that a guy with a two-win team became the MVP of the league. So Cortez, God, God rest his soul, one of my best buddies in the world but man oh man we had some battles and and they were rough and after every before every game we wanted to punch each other in the face and after every game we always wanted to give each other a hug nice that's the way it's supposed to be right <laughs> Love it. and that's lastly right. top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad what would you want them to be wow that's a great question top three words probably um uh well it, it, not in a phrase but just words trustworthy responsible and consistent Awesome. Great three words right there. People, make sure you pick up Tim's book, View from the Center, My Football Life and Rebirth of the Chiefs Kingdom, wherever you purchase books. And also go to his site, timgrunhard.com. That's a great place to pick up the book. In addition, make sure you follow him on Twitter at grunny61 and also on Instagram at timgrunhard. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate and value your thoughts on fatherhood. And again, as a football fan, I just love you know hearing some you know hearing stories from a great player like yourself. I wish you and your family continued success. But again, thanks for taking the time. 
Hey, thanks, Art. You know, I've been on a lot of podcasts, and I think this is one of the more important ones I've been on because it's so important to be a great dad. So all you guys out there, you know, dig your feet in, in the ground and put your chest up and your chin up and be a great dad. Awesome. Great way to end this show. Thank you very much, man. I want to thank Forefathers for sponsoring this week's Art of Fatherhood podcast. Nick, who started up the company, is a really cool guy, and he set up a really cool community over at Forefathers. Not only can you get some sweet shirts for yourself, but there's also some matching stuff for your kids to rock with you. Like I said, awesome shirts named Meat Sweats, Glazed Over, Beer Meat, Turf Dad. And like for me as a sneakerhead, I love the fact that there's so many cool clothing options that can match up with my sneakers. Go to shopforfathers.com. That's shop, F-O-R-E, fathers.com. Support Nick. He's got a lot of great shirts over there and a fantastic community he's building. And while you're on the internet, make sure you check out the Art of Fatherhood website over at artoffatherhood.net. You can check out podcasts, reviews, the Dad's Doing It Right column. You can win prizes, all that good stuff. And when you listen to the podcast, please rate, subscribe, and review. And I appreciate your support as I try to promote good fatherhood examples all around the world through my podcasts and articles. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.